This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, we are going to have another hybrid episode where I give a couple of tips and tricks and I give a recap as to what happened at this week's challenge. Okay, tip number one. When you are pushing a prowler or pushing yourself backwards on reverse sliders, do not overly pack your neck. So what is packing your neck? Well, imagine you're going to do a barbell back squat and you press your neck into the barbell. That's packing your neck. Overly packing your neck is when you press your neck into the barbell and look straight up at the ceiling. Right now, you put yourself in a bad biomechanical position to squat. Well, the same exact thing happens when you are pushing a prowler and you pack your neck so high that you're looking straight ahead of you. Or you're pushing uh, pushing yourself backwards on a reverse slider and you're packing your neck so high that you're looking straight ahead of you. What you want to do is be able to look at a 45-degree angle down in front of you. If you are overly packing your neck, then you are essentially driving down the Garden State Parkway with one foot on the gas pedal and your parking brake is still on. Yeah, you are competing against yourself. Okay, tip number two, something that I am reading that is moving me. And it's actually, I'm rereading it. I'm rereading a book called Football Clock Management. Now, for some of you, this could be the ultimate snooze fest. But for someone like me, who is obsessed with the very fabric of the game within the game of football, right? How many games are won and lost because of clock management? Now, what you're seeing right now in the 2021 playoffs is people are losing, they think they're losing the game in the fourth quarter because of clock management, but the truth is you might have lost the game in the third quarter because of clock management. So there's times to speed up when you run plays, there's times to slow down when you run plays, and it has nothing to do, or doesn't entirely have to do with uh, what are you doing in the fourth quarter with respect to when you're taking timeouts, when you're spiking the ball, uh, when you're like the Dallas Cowboys and you don't spike the ball and you try and run a draw, all this stuff, it's not just about that last drive of the game. Having said that, the reason I first bought this book was in 2011. I was up in the booth at Poly Prep. I was a special teams coach. I was a linebackers coach. And unbeknownst to me, in the fourth quarter of the game, I became the clock management coach. Now, I wasn't prepared at all. I had no idea. I'm, a, I'm an idiot. And, and people think, well, you're, you're a chemical engineer. You should be great at math. I'm not. I'm great at formulas. I'm great at dissecting problems. But I am not great at doing uh, calculations in my head at all. If you said, like, what's uh, 382 minus 250, I would need a pen and paper and have to write that stuff down. Anyway, what I did during that game was I stupidly said that we had – we should take a knee and we could run out the game clock. And boy, was I wrong. By the time we got to third down, we realized this wasn't going to happen. And our thought was, okay, let's block everybody and throw a couple of bombs down the field to burn off clock. Well, that didn't work either because (laughs) we didn't send out any receivers and we got intentional grounding penalties. So, long story short, Wyoming Saturday gets the ball back with about, uh, I don't know, more than enough time to throw three Hail Marys 
Thank the Lord we knocked them all down and won the game, because I would have forgiven myself. But, me being my toughest critic, I went out, found a book on the topic, Football Clock Management, studied it in 2011. It began the journey that I am in right now with respect to data analytics and game management. But, now that I am rereading it, this thing's 11 years old at this point, I'm realizing that this guy, John T. Reed, was well, well ahead of his time. To make it even more interesting, as I'm reading the book for the first time, back in 2011... He's talking about his son playing football at Columbia, and I realize I was on a team with his son in Columbia, so I email Mr. Reed. We get, he really guided me along the way back in 2011-2012, and what he did, what I read in the book back then, which I think is brilliant, which is what I did with Edge Varsity, they practiced clock management with Madden, or some video game, as I did with Edge Varsity. So, great stuff, rereading it. This guy is super ahead of his time, and uh, it's, just, it's just a brilliant thing to see that, again, when you're watching these games on Sundays, if you're watching the NFL, football clock management is like going, like taking a knee at the end of the game or when to spike the ball. It's a part of it, but it's just a, such a small, small, small part of it. So I have a, a little mini project with myself to take, to reread this book, take a lot of notes, make myself some checklists, and bring it up into the booth with me next year. Okay, tip number three. Tip number three, it is both a quote I am thinking about and a productivity tip. So the quote I am thinking about comes from Warren Buffett. It is buy in need, sell in greed. I'll say that again. It's buy in need, sell in greed. So what what he was saying, I believe, from a financial perspective was, I'll take a very tangible example, when the prices in the stock market are going up, that's when you should sell, right? That's when people are greedy. That's when you should sell. And then when the prices are going down, that's when you should buy. Because now the value of that stock is low and you can get a lot more of it, right? When you have when the people when the price is low, you're like basically getting it at a discount. Go buy a lot. And then when the price is going up, that's when you should sell. Having said that, I'm gonna take that to a productivity perspective. There are things that I do where if I have a little bit of free time. Right, a little bit of free time. I don't want to go and uh, scroll through my Instagram account and just do nothing or be have a mind-numbing activity. <coughs> Let me use this free time, this time of need, to execute something that I would maybe have to do later when I was rushed. Right, and I don't I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to do it. So, for example, say I'm running a little low on my vitamin D pills. Right, I have my the pills that I normally take in my closet. And then I have a reserve set ready to go. Well, what I'll do is I'm not going to wait till that vitamin D pill is completely empty before I open up the new one. Because maybe when I want to open up the new one, I'm super busy and I have to rush to meeting or rush to work. No, what I'll do is when I have time, the time of need, I'll go to my next container. <coughs> I'll open it up, get everything ready, get all the packaging off, and then I'll combine it with the pills from my last container. Same thing with my protein. Now that you get now the protein I get, I no longer get it in a jug. It comes in like a, a plastic bag of some sort, and I store it in a container. If I see that's running low, I'll go get another bag of protein, mix it in with the other protein, and now, while I have this extra time, I'm doing something productive that is setting me up to be more productive later on so that when I am quote-unquote busy, I don't have to rush and wake up and say, oh my God, I have to go get the protein and mix it. Oh man, this is a waste of time. No, when I have time, I get things done. I fill in that slot. I get things done that would otherwise make me busy later on. So again, the quote is buy and need, sell and greed. Okay, now we're going to get to this week's workout slash challenge. So I was saying to the guys after the workout that I have had unlimited thoughts about the things that happened just this very Saturday. And I'll say it again to everybody who is doing something else and is not a part of this. I, I, and maybe I'm just not normal, and I'm probably not. But I cannot imagine doing anything that is sicker 
or more entertaining than what we did this Saturday. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine the, the Friday night that you had being so sick that it's more entertaining than what we had going on Saturday morning. The hardest part for people is literally just waking up and getting out of bed. When you show up, everything else will take care of itself. So what actually happened and what are some of my thoughts? So first off, you know, one of my favorite parts of the day is while we are setting up, you know, it takes a little bit of work to get everything set up. We have drills, we have stations, we got toys, whatever. We have to assemble some of the, the toys we're putting together right there on the spot to do the workout. I really love to listen in on these guys' conversations because it's, it's really nice. I've coached a lot of these guys since they're 15, 16 years old, and I love listening to them talk. And it's never, or hardly ever, talking about ridiculous, I had this sick night last night, I got so messed up, blah, blah, blah. None of that. It's, there's guys talking about business. There's guys talking about the right way to train. Guys talking about home renovations. Guys talking about things that I can hear, that they are making each other better. Because remember, you are the average of the people you spend the most time with. And I'm hoping that these guys, I know it, these guys are upping their average by spending time with people that can make them better. So I love to hear. Now, do I get a little upset that they're uh, chatting a little too much and then I'd set up the toys? Yes, but I do believe that these guys are in these workouts for things bigger than just a workout. And one of them could be the camaraderie that they're getting with uh, fellow alumni, fellow like-minded individual individuals who are trying to do the same thing through the avenue of training. So, okay, let's get back to the actual workout. So what we were doing was a walk of pain. It was a modified walk of pain, but I had methodically set up stations. I draw all this stuff up on paper. I figure out how this thing's going to work so it flows nicely where you pick up, let's say, a a farmer's walk with a 45-pound at each side of it. You walk 30 yards. You put it down. You walk five yards to the left, and you uh, grab a heavy bag. You walk with that 30 yards. You put it down. You walk five yards to the left. You pick up another farmer's walk and carry it with your other hand. And there was five different sets of toys. I said we were going to do this for 20 minutes straight. So we're just going to walk at a leisurely pace. No one's sprinting with this stuff. We're going to do that for 20 minutes. And to, for me, I knew some guys were going to screw up some drills. For whatever reason, people just can't listen. We said, put the toy down. When you do, walk to your left. There should be another toy waiting for you. Put the toy down, walk to your left. Another toy should be waiting for you. Well, I put in a buffer. To, so when that happened, and people were getting a little screwed up with their timing, at the end of this cycle, once you talk, walk through all five toys, toys at the end, there was a light med ball toss just to keep people moving so that there would never be a moment where they were stopping and taking a break. It should have been 20 minutes of very low-paced effort. Well, things got completely and totally out of control. And uh, there was just lines, and people were screwing things up. I think Billy Blanco was tossing the medicine ball for about 15 of the 20 minutes that we were doing this cycle. But the thing that I want to call out is the great Pete Baraji. You know, this guy runs construction crews when he's not a... He's not doing this stuff with us, and he, he stepped in as the foreman that he is. He was like, guys, we're stopping. He put everybody right back in line. You go here, you go there, and he actually made us stop the entire drill till everybody was situated. It was great to have a foreman on the job, so great job, Baraji. Now, a couple of crazy things that I saw. So we did a tag team challenge after we did this, this workout. We did a tag team challenge. Part of this tag team challenge involved carrying a farmer's walk with... It's arguably the heaviest weight we've ever used at the distance that we used it. So, and what real? I was I was fully expecting every guy to pick it up with two hands. The first team that goes is Pete Baraji's team, and he picks it up with one hand. And I felt like well, the first time when I was a little kid in my life seeing Superman picks up one hand and sprints with it like he's a uh, he's in the Olympics, right? He sprints with it 20 yards like he's flying, like it's not even in his hand. 
It's a totally impressive move. Then the next guy that goes on this his team's tag team challenge is Joe Derrida. He sprints with it with one hand. And I was completely and totally humbled. And uh they humbled me so much that I had a, when we had to reset the drill, I forced myself to carry this thing with one hand and I would not let it drop till it got to the end, but I, I couldn't let these guys see because it was heavy. It was heavy. The third guy who went and tried to do it, he, he got a little dose of reality. It was most, probably much heavier than he thought, but he dropped it. He had to pick it up with two hands. Having said that, the winner of this tag team challenge, the winner of this tag team challenge, they had only three guys. This was Baraji, this was Galley, and this was the Youngblood Jersik. And these guys, you know, usually the teams with more guys, you think they're going to win. But once again, it seems like guys are stepping up when they're down a man. And this team was down three men, and they still won. Now, the only reason they won, though, <laughs> is because another team, Shalasi's team, they actually finally had five people. And they beat these guys by about a half a second. Except they were docked. They were given a four-second penalty because one of the newcomers on their team, Hezra, was uh, locked away in a ski slope in Vermont. So, men... Just a reminder, if you're not going to show up, just tell me. All we need is eight hours notice, and there'll be no penalty assigned to your team. So, the three-person team wins. That's Baraji, that's Galley, and that's Jersik. And equally as impressive as Baraji and Derrida carrying that farmer, farmer's walk with one hand was Galley finishing up the leg of the tag team by himself. So what was the leg? I'll tell you the whole event. It was a sled drag with an insane amount of weight. And it was a sled drag with uh, if the rope that you do your tricep extensions on. We actually brought that rope. We wrapped it around a chain. And we pulled the sled drag with that rope to get a little extra grip work in as we were doing a backward sled drag. Then we went to a person who did a uh, reverse slider, 20 yards. Then that the next person did a farmer's walk. Then there was a single leg slider of 20 yards followed by another single leg slider of 20 yards. Well, Baraji, Galley, and uh, Youngblood's team, they only had three guys. So Baraji had to go two of the events. He did the reverse slider to the farmer's walk. And then Galley, two times in a row, did a single leg slider. One of them is hard. He got up and ran to another one, did another one. Still killed it. So it's extremely, extremely impressive. Now these guys, I, I'm starting to love it. Okay, you win the you win the tag team event. Now it's going to be a double elimination day again, meaning they're going to pick two sets of two people to go head to head in a head to head competition. The winner will get three points. The loser will get one point. But if you lose two events in this season, you are out of head to head competition. So now you can no longer collect points on your own. So. These guys are great. They immediately run. They go get their phone. They look at where everybody's seated, how many people have losses, how many people have wins, and they select two groups of head-to-head -head competition. The first one is Pete Amorosi against Joe Derrida. They, both of these guys have one loss, so loser is getting eliminated no matter what. Pete Amorosi said, look, you guys are setting me up for failure. Like, how am I supposed to go against this maniac Joe Derrida who's legitimately been in tough man strike strongman competitions before in this grip drill? Well, unbeknownst to, to me or why, Joe Derrida decides to A, wear a glove. B, I have to believe, and I know I shouldn't say I have to believe, in my experience, if you are pre-fatiguing your hand, which is what I was doing to these guys intentionally in the walk of pain. I was trying to pre-fatigue their hand before this one-on-one -on -one drill. Well, Joe, as I already mentioned, he carried that super heavy farmer's walk 20 yards in the tag team event before. So he's got a little bit of fatigue, plus he's wearing a glove, and he loses to Pete Amorosi. Not to mention the fact that Pete Amorosi, he's a hell of a lot stronger than people think. And I'm just going to relay this back to a, a video that Tro Joe Trunzo sent out 
it might have been about a month ago, he was taking out his Christmas decorations, and he took a video of himself carrying farmers walking his Christmas decorations, and then he said, and I'm sure Pete Amorosi caught this, he said, I'm going to pull an Amorosi and walk with it with two hands. He's referring to Amorosi using two hands during the Tough Man competition. Because uh, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that take uh, wear it as a badge of honor that they only carry that farmer's walk with one hand, and there's not many people that can carry it with one hand. So the fact that uh, he said that, and then Pete Amorosi beats Joe Derrida in this event, it just made it a great day. Because Joe Derrida was the absolute favorite, and then I believe that pe- people really underestimate the grip strength of Pete Amorosi. So I think it was an eye-opener to everybody. And not to mention that Joe Dieter, Joe Dardita is now officially eliminated. So him and Joe Shalasi are no longer allowed to compete in head-to-head challenges. And uh, it's going to really... Their, their teams are now going to have to win for these guys to get a better seed at the end of the year, Final Four. Let's go to the other head-to-head event. They pick Cortese, and they pick him to go against Billy Blanco. I wasn't 100% sure why they picked those people, but they did. So they pick Cortese, they pick Billy Blanco. Just as they are about to pick... And by the way, I forgot to mention... I'm doing a bad job of telling the story here. The head-to-head competition was these guys had to hold a farmer's walk for as long as possible. So that is what Pete Amorosi did longer than Joe Derrida. Apologies if I missed that point before. So right before, Blanco and Cortese are about to do the same exact event. I say on 3-2-1, we pick it up. I'm like, 3-2. Cortese says, oh, I'm not doing it. I'm switching myself out. And Youngblood is going for me. Now, why could Cortese do this? Because a few weeks ago, Cortese won another challenge called a Money in the Bank Challenge. So what's the Money in the Bank Challenge? Money in the Bank Challenge means you do this competition, doesn't matter what it was, but now you have this belt. We have a, we have a regular belt for the teams that win the tag team event. They have a belt, it's sick, there's a big uh, placard on the front, it weighs about, I don't know, 50 pounds. It's heavy, this thing's heavy, right? It's, it's, maybe it's about a 25-pound belt. The belt, the Money in the Bank belt, it's got nothing on it. It's a blank black belt. When you whip out this belt, if you've won money in the bank and you bring this belt to train, you have to bring it with you, and you whip out this belt, you're allowed to do anything at any time as long as I say it's okay. And what he did, Cortese said, I am not only not going in this event, I am picking who's going to step in, in, my, in my, as my replacement. And he picks the young blood, Jersic. Now, the great part of this is that Jersic was on the winning team, right? It was him, Galley, and Baraji. Jersic's in Crocs. Jersic's ready to go home, man. Sip on a little bit of element. Relax. Enjoy the, the fruits of his labor with his victory. Oh no, Jersic. You're being called at, you know, out of your slumber to come pick up this farmer's walk. And I asked Cortese, why'd you pick him? Like, wh- what was the reason? He said he was standing right in front of me. He had Crocs on. I figured it'd be a good time for him to get a loss. And that he did. He went head-to-head with Blanco. It was a great competition. He actually lasted 41 seconds. But Billy Blanco, being the vet, being the beast that he is, outlasted him. Uh, an impressive win by the great Billy Blanco. So you, you put all this stuff together. You just think about how many sick, awesome, great things happened. Yeah, I'm just kind of being redundant here. But I, again, I don't know what you're doing on Saturday mornings. It's probably more related to what you're doing on Friday nights or maybe a little cold or whatever the situation is. But this is, to me, there's nothing better than what's going on and what we're doing. I love all of the strategy, all the angles, uh, and really... One great thing about the way this, this thing's formatted right now is you never really know what your number's going to get called. So when you show up on a Saturday morning, even if you win now, because even if your team wins, somebody may, may break out this Money in the Bank Challenge. And just so everybody knows, this Money in the Bank Challenge, it's, it's going to come back. We're going to do one more, maybe two more, over the course of this, this season because I, I love the chaos. 
And I'll say this, Cortese is actually the first person to ever use it. We've had this same belt for two years. People have won the money in the bank, and they've never actually pulled the trigger on using it during a challenge. And Cortese, brilliantly, brilliant, brilliantly done, Cortese. I love it. Uh, hopefully uh, someone as wise, or even if it's you, <laughs> as wise slash clever is able to use this again later on the season. All right, people, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Talk to you soon. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lark Media. Did you ever feel like you had a message that the whole world absolutely needed to hear? You take it, you package it, you bundle it, you send it out there, and then boom, no response. Well, if that's you, don't be disappointed. It might not be that your message is bad. It might be that you're not delivering it the right way. And this is where our friends over at Lark Media can help. These guys are masters of marketing. They've done things for advanced training where they've come in. They've taken documentaries of our work, and they not only captured what it looks like, but they captured what it feels like to be a part of what we do. They've also made motion graphics that we use before and after our YouTube videos. If you need help, please contact Steve at LarkMediaNYC.com. Again, that's Steve at Lark, L-A-R-K, MediaNYC.com. Tell them that Advanced Trading sent you, and they'll take 10% off.